Yo, I'm Fun. This is Alan Ev. Enjoy. What made you two want to start Femi as opposed to keep working on like something else? Mm, that's such a good question. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, welcome back to Alan Ev. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm joined by the girls from Femi, Esther and Lydia. How are you guys? Yeah, so good. So yeah, good. good. Thanks for having me. Um, oh, pleasure. Thanks for um, replying to my DMs that I shot, <laughs> thinking thinking no one will respond to this, but at least I tried. <laughs> Esther's great on the DMs. Yes, good, eh? Real stoked to have you guys on. Um, and we were obviously doing the young podcast before the podcast, chatting away as usual, but um, hit record. Really excited to have you guys on and talk to you, um, particularly about Femi and sort of what that is, why it started, what you guys do, um, and then obviously a little bit about yourselves as well. So Esther, I'll chuck it to you first. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell everyone listening about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I'm Esther. I'm currently living in Papamoa, which is a little town in New Zealand. I don't know if most of your listeners are from New Zealand, so you might know where that is. But yeah, little beach town, um, in the North Island of New Zealand. So, yeah, I am – we're two, days, two years deep in starting Femi. So, obviously, I'm a co-founder of Femi alongside Lydia. Um, but before that, I worked in – well, I did a business degree um, and then worked at a bank, which realised very quickly that wasn't for me. <laughs> and then I went into HR, which I realised also wasn't for me. And then I sort of started coaching, which is kind of what led us to starting Femi. But I think – the underlying message of why we started Femi is more from our experience as athletes. So uh, I was a successful junior athlete and I was overtrained by a coach, but also uh, from expectations of myself, I started sort of restricting my eating and went down a really bad, unhealthy path. And I, I was a really successful junior athlete, so I represented New Zealand at a few events. Um, crazy. But she won world champs. She's not going to say it, but she won world champs. Oh, wow. Oh, She's too I humble. Pretty, I was pretty good in juniors. It was pretty good. I just, <laughs> you know, went to world champs, did all that. Yeah, so I, yeah. But, I mean, it came at a cost with my health. So, yes, it was cool and I was successful in that. But when I look back at it, it wasn't in a very healthy way. Uh, so, yeah, that ended up making me quit the sport. And I think that's a far too common story for young girls Potentially, it's not the overtraining part. It might be some other aspect, but it all links together as to why young girls drop out of sport at such a high rate versus young young boys. And I think sport yeah. for both Lydia and myself and all the all the girls at Femi has been such an incredible tool to build confidence and lead us down a really good, healthy track in our life. I think, you know, uh, sometimes I think maybe I'm a little bit addicted to exercise, but I think I'd rather be addicted to exercise than anything else. But also getting COVID recently has helped me step back a little bit as well and, and, and take a look at my relationship with exercise as well and, and made it a much more healthy one. So, yeah, that's kind of the reason that we started Femi is like our both of our experiences. And for me, mine was more as a junior athlete and what I went through as a junior athlete. And I know Lyd's story is different, but it all links uh, similarly back to why we started Femi. So that's a bit about me and like my history and stuff. But I think, yeah, where we're going with Femi is really exciting and hopefully we can help young girls not go through what both of us went through. 
Damn, that is super cool and just a cheeky like little bit of an NZ Rep World Champs kind of kind of thing in there as well. Wait, Lydia said that, not me. <laughs> I love how yeah, I love how Lydia was the one who had to say it instead of you. Humble, very <laughs> She's good. She's too humble. Like um, Lydia, tell me about yourself. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, so I grew up in Tauranga. Um, I lived in Tauranga until I was about 17, so I went to high school there. And all through high school, I did sport. Like, I was definitely one of those, like, go-getter young kids who just wanted to do everything. And um, I danced for a lot of my childhood, and then I kind of took dancing into the athletic world and started running a bit more seriously when I was probably about 12 or 13, um, which is still pretty young. Um, And then... Through high school, I had a pretty incredible female coach who really just like embraced running, really pushed the pur- uh, the purpose of running was to like be out there having a good time and socializing. And she built a really like healthy relationship into me with the, with the sport of running. And um, it was never about how good or how fast we were. It was always about like being patient and succeeding as a um, as more of a senior athlete than a junior athlete. And then it wasn't until like I left school, I went over to the States on a scholarship over there as an athlete where I lasted about six weeks. Um, it was a bit of a culture shock and a very different lifestyle to what I was used to back home in Tauranga and uh, didn't enjoy it much. So I actually moved back to NZ and I, I took about 18 months away from the sport. I think the big shock of opening my eyes up to what competitive sport was actually like, especially in a place like America, it kind of steered me away from wanting to be an athlete. And so I took, I stepped away from the sport and kind of lost myself for a little bit where I just um, started drinking heavily and doing drugs. And I actually spiraled into a pretty bad place with my mental health. And I think, yeah, it was probably after about 12 to 18 months, I realized how much I needed sport and needed running to keep me on the right track. And I think through that experience, although it was like super challenging, I was able to actually like, realize at a pretty young age how amazing sport can be for your mental health and how amazing running can be in particular and um, so by the age of about 19 20 I got back into the sport pretty seriously I think I won my first national title within maybe like six months of coming back to the sport um, which definitely like inspired me to want to keep driving and it was maybe like 12 months after I came back I got offered a scholarship uh, a contract with Nike which was pretty incredible at that age coming from New Zealand where, um, you know, big global sporting company, the biggest in the world coming to you with a contract. Like I just didn't expect it at all, but I was just very, it was just luck really like good timing, right place at the right time. Um, And I was able to start working with the brand at that age. So um, I was on a contract as an athlete with Nike for about two or three years. And then Throughout my university um, degree, I was offered a role with the brand to actually just start going out and almost being part of the marketing team in a more promotional role. So I was able to go out and like go to running events and just get shoes on feet. So just talk to runners about shoes, about Nike, about the brand and just get shoes onto runners. We actually had like this huge van full of like 250 pairs of running shoes and we just go out to events and get people to put the shoes on and you could go for like a 5, 10, 15k run in the shoes and then just return them to us. So it was pretty cool to be able to do that. And I think um, what that did for me was like really open my eyes to the idea of community and like being involved in the running community. And so from there, I was just like, this is kind of what I wanted to do. And I ended up stepping away from my, I was doing my master's at the time at the University of Auckland and, um, decided I wanted to kind of chase this goal of working for Nike. So 
I spent the, the next five years working for the brand um, as part of the brand team from marketing coordinator up to become the brand manager for NZ where I got to work across all um, sports, so running, uh, football, sportswear, basketball, yeah, everything was pretty cool and um, very fun but very uh, stressful. It was a high-pressure job. You're like under the pump 24-7. You don't really get to switch off because working for a global brand, you're getting emails all through the night. People are trying to contact you. You kind of just can't like turn off at all, um, which is awesome. And like I was very grateful to be in that role. But for me, I was trying to run marathons at the time and I was also trying to do so many other things. I kind of got to a place um, where I ended up just kind of burning out and all of this kind of ties back to what Esther was mentioning around like um, the idea that we as female athletes are put under a lot of pressure to especially look a certain way. And both Esther and I have had coaches in the past who have told us, you know, we needed to lose weight or um, leaner is better or leaner is faster. And I think through that messaging, especially in my early 20s, where I had male coaches literally like grabbing my stomach and telling me if I lost that, how much faster I'd be able to run, mm-hmm. um, impacted my mental health, but also impacted my physical health because I ended up like restricting my diet as Esther did too. And that spiraled me into like this place of like stress coming from all areas, um, but losing my period essentially and then falling into a state of relative energy deficiency syndrome, which is losing your period is one of the signs of falling into that state. Um, And I guess from that, I just like had to really take a massive step back and look at my life in a more of a holistic sense and understand like what's actually important and how important it is to pay attention to your hormones and how important it is to actually have a period because we were always told to get rid of your period or that it was a nuisance. Um, So I actually went down this path of like learning a lot more about hormone, hormonal health um, and I spent probably like two years understanding this information and Esther and I kind of working through this together and we realized like it's great that we can learn this and we have access to learn it but what about the rest of the women out there and um, we want to be able to provide this information that you know I was think 27 28 at the time how is this 28 year old woman just learning about her body now like that's pretty insane Um, so we're like how can we get this information out to more people and and help more women understand their bodies and feel empowered in themselves. And I guess that's what led us to starting Femi. So yeah, that's where we where we are now. And I think Esther kind of covered off like the purpose of what why Femi is about. But um it's been a journey. But I think both Esther and I have been through our own journeys and everything we've been through have de- has definitely helped us to like um learn and help other women and that's our our purpose is to, you know, to empower women all over the world. Damn, you guys have some crazy stories. <laughs> and I don't know if you've I don't know if you've done that before, but the way Esther like sort of told her piece and then like said a couple of things, I was like, oh my gosh. And then Lydia, how you came in, you're like, oh yeah, did this too, did this too. And then it just sort of married up. I was getting ready to be like, oh, so, you know, how did this lead you to start Femi? And you just well, you, you, really threw, you really threw us though. I usually go first and then Esther. So I actually really like that you threw it to Esther first. I think that really like caught us uh-huh. off guard. I wish I could say it was planned, but honestly, Esther was like the left one before you on the right. I went left to right in order. That was so cool, though. So, so if you were to say um, Femi's sort of like purpose or mission as a as a business or as like a collective in a, in a sentence or a brief statement, what would that be? Uh, it's about like 
Yeah, I can take this one. Yeah, uh, like inspiring and educating everybody to uh, work with females better to allow them to feel more empowered in themselves. So we want to, although we're a very female-led company, the things we are creating are not just for women. We want to be able to educate everybody, no matter if you're a female, male or non-binary. Like We want to educate everybody to be able to work with females better, but the end goal is to, you know, give women the tools to feel empowered in who they are I sorry that probably wasn't one sentence but <laughs> no, I love that I um I yeah I really like it and I sort of think about it I was when I was looking at you guys I was like something I really want to ask you is um you're forming a business around what seems to be both of your guys passions mm-hmm. so like firstly what is it like to have your players work like does it feel like work and then secondly, I don't know who, both of you actually could probably answer this in your own sort of perspectives, but what does it feel like obviously making a business? I, I find it kind of weird, especially in the personal training or the strength and conditioning space. Um, me personally, like I hate the idea of taking money from people. Like it feels so uncomfortable and unnatural. And that's probably just because it's starting out. Um, but you look at literally everyone, like a chef loves to cook. That's why they cook but the chef gets paid, you know, and, and, you know, artists love to make art or music, but they still like to get paid and they get paid and it's such a standard thing. But for some reason in the fitness industry, um, everyone gets all antsy around paying money to develop themselves physically, mentally, and in terms of fitness and health. And it's such a weird thing. Like people go spend hundred bucks in town on drinks, but they won't spend like a hundred bucks a week on themselves to be better. So what is it like both Lydia and Esther, like, what is it like having your workers play or your players work? And, and what is it like sort of turning that play into work in terms of having to charge people money for it? Mm, yes, you could go first, answer the first question and I'll jump in after you. Yeah, cool. Uh, I think, yeah, like I said, I worked in a banking role and I worked in HR and I worked in all these other jobs and it it wasn't fun. Like I didn't get fulfillment out of it. I didn't really want to show up every day because like, yeah, it was like kind of helping people kind of, but not really like (laughs) money's money and like banking's kind of boring. And yeah, I didn't get a purpose or fulfillment out of it. So for me, that was just to make money. Whereas for me, like for me and Lydia, this is such a passion for us and like what we've done so far and the impact we've had on the woman we're working with. And we just done like a scholarship program with uh, 20 girls between the age of 14 and 18 and like the impact that's had on them just gives us so much drive and I think for me yeah it still works sometimes like there's some parts of it where we're like oh god we have to do this one thing and that's more like the admin stuff you know like the stuff that no one really is super passionate about it but it's part of like running a business but I think for both Lids and I when we look at what we're actually doing and like the purpose behind it it makes it pretty damn easy to work and we do work a lot like we have a lot of projects coming out at the moment and uh we are yeah we're under the pump but I think the overall purpose and the value behind it and why we're doing it makes it a lot less like work and makes it a lot of fun and I think working with your best friend as well makes it funner as well because we debrief on like the friendship stuff and then we're like okay what do we need to do today so you also get that thing so I think starting a business with like a best friend I know some people would be like don't do it because it's dangerous but like Lids and I have so much trust between us and I think uh yeah working with her on this whole thing has been like 
like such a blessing and I feel super lucky to be doing what we're doing so yeah a little bit of work but mostly play which is cool yeah it's just right like we work a lot like we are under the pump at the moment like I don't think we've I haven't had a day off in like a few weeks and we are like working every single day and when we're not working we're probably running or at the gym and even when we're running or at the gym we're still online messaging each other and working essentially so it's we're on the go all the time but we love it you know I think when you find something that you love that you are really passionate about. It feels like you're getting fulfillment. You're actually helping people. You're relatively good at it. I'd like to say that. Um, And then you can make money from it. Like that is the dream. And I think the dream and the goal that everybody should have. And I think we are just so, so fortunate and grateful that we can do this. Like I, I realize how privileged we are to be in a position that we get to do what we do every single day. Yes, we're not making a shitload of money at the moment, but we plan on making money from it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, running a company that's built on purpose is just like the best way to find something and do something that's super sustainable. You know, like if we were selling ballpoint pens, we don't like ballpoint pens. We've got no desire. We've got no love and ambition to sell ballpoint pens. That is, that is just the most unsustainable business that you can come up with, right? Like you have to find something that you completely love, you're super passionate about, and you also feel that reward. Like I think when you are grinding all the time and you're always working, um, you sometimes forget the impact you're having on people. But we're just so lucky in this day and age where we're connected to our consumer every single day. We have insights from them coming to us all the time. We get messages from girls all the time telling them, telling us like, We've changed their lives. They might not have had their period for like nine years and now they've got their period or they lost their period and they weren't even paying attention to it, but they listened to our podcast or they saw what we were posting online and like then they actually went and got help. You know, like it's those little pieces of information and that's what keeps us going, I think. And and like we're just very lucky to have that. Um, but I think when you talk about like turning a something that you love, especially in the health and fitness industry or whatever you want to call it, Um, and into a business where you're planning on making money like I think we just have to put it in a way that you know if you are fulfilling a purpose and you're actually doing something good for people you deserve to get money from that and I think um, our knowledge and our experience and the amount of hours that we put into building this company it is worth you know it's worth value there is value in that and that's worth money and so people who would push back and say you know like it's people's health you shouldn't be charging them for that like you just want to do what's best for people yes of course we want to do that um but like the value and what we're providing to people is worth money so we should be getting paid for it um I think yeah people I think people do find it hard like um parting with finances and finances money but like when you think about the benefit especially for women who are and men actually who are going to be using our products and using our services um it's changing lives and that's you know there's the value in itself so it's it's hard like I think when you're passionate about something and and I even felt felt it sometimes when I was at working and I still work for the brand like working at like when you love your job it's hard to th- know that you're getting paid for it. Like yeah, there would be times yeah. at Nike, I'd be like, I'd be doing this for free. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't feel like work and you're like, Oh, do you want to pay me? Like, Oh, <laughs> like when you tell someone how to, you know, structure their programming or something, it's like, Oh, but this is so common sense to me. Like 
are you sure yeah take it like i know you like yeah that's why i ask because it's just like one of those things where sometimes when it is when players your work like it just doesn't really feel yeah like for me personally like oh it just feels so weird but i know that it's completely stupid for me to think that because like you said you're providing someone like immense value that's like especially for you guys like it's life-changing especially for girls like who like you said might have lost their period or like don't know how to train with that or whatever and then all of a sudden you guys are helping them train and and achieve goals Mm and I I don't know if it was you guys but I saw a post on Instagram recently it was about the whole healthy fitness thing and how everyone sort of loosely calls it health and fitness but really (laughs) they're two very different things was that you guys who talked about that or was that somewhere else I saw that yeah I posted about it um last week I think it's these random thoughts that come to my mind when I'm running (laughs) yeah um but I think it's a really interesting one because a lot of people do bucket health and fitness into one thing, mm. but they are quite separate. And um, especially for women, you know, I remember five, ten years ago, you'd look at girls on Instagram and they'd have a six pack and they'd be ripped and like shredded and low body percentage, whatever, like, and you'd look at them and be like inspired by them and be like, oh, that person must be so healthy. They're the epitome of health, you know. And it's like, wow, actually, now we know what we know. I look at a girl like that. I mean, this is not to bucket girls. Everybody is different. But I would question if a girl with lean body fat percentage like that has her period and is actually healthy. And she's probably not. And is she feeding herself correctly and fueling herself correctly? Like, you can definitely have look a certain type, whatever you want to call it, um, and still be healthy. But there's a lot of people out there who aren't. And I just kind of like, um Esther and I talk about it all the time like we hate talking about what people look like because exercise isn't about what you look like it should never be a conversation about what you look like when you step into a gym you shouldn't be getting put on the scales by your trainer and being told like how much body fat you want to lose it should be all about how you feel and that's the message that we want to try and get out there especially to women Um, they already have this pressure and feeling that they have to look a certain way to fulfill society's desires of them we want to change that and push that back and be like no exercise should literally just make you feel really good and build confidence in yourself um and that's why like the whole health and fitness thing i'm like it needs a shake up and hopefully we're here to do that i love that so much like i think you know, like in your 1% of scenarios, like you're a top level world-class athlete, like you might have a tool such as, you know, measuring your weight or doing X, Y, Z. But I think when you're a recreational athlete or you are an everyday person who's trying to, as you say, like pursue health and fitness, everyone goes to the stock standard, like what do I look like or what do I, what do I look like on the numbers? And it's like, no, like what 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 do you feel like like how do you feel today like is this making you feel good like i work at a um f45 and it's not programming and it's not anything fancy like it's a real basic job no disrespect to other f45 trainers but um like it's a, it's a pretty easy job end of the day and like just how for you guys like that sort of feels like play like it doesn't feel like a job for me but you are, that just like, means you've cracked it in my eyes. I'm like, yeah. if you feel bad asking people for money because you're having a, such a good time at work, then you've cracked it. Yeah, I've, I've cracked the code. That's why I sort of stopped looking for jobs and stayed there because I was like, oh, this is just good fun for now. But like clients, clients there will sort of, you know, there'll be challenges on or whatever or people will come in the gym and it's like, bro, like how do you like feel? I want you to feel good. I don't want you to do like these 10 squats that this guy next to you is doing. Like I want you to feel good or 
or people will be like, oh, they straight away go to the number of weight rather than like, okay, what is that weight made up of? Or like actually not even looking at that. Like how do you, how do you feel? Um, yeah. Ethel, what is, what does um, health mean to you? Like health and fitness, like how do you sort of have that balance? Yeah, I think like Liz kind of nailed it in the way she described it. But I think like if you focus on those aspects of training, like how you look or comparing yourself to other people with the weight you're lifting or blah, 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 you're actually going to be like in this unhealthy, unsustainable place. Like I think, I can't remember the stats, but I think the amount of diets that work, it's like almost like 100% don't work. Like the people end up back to where they were or they don't get the result they want from that specific diet. And I think the reason is because it's like, it's not fun. It's punishment. And if you use Mm. training to lose weight and look a certain way, you're going to have this relationship with it to reach your end goal, which will be like X, Y, and Z weight or body fat percentage. Rather than if you focus like on that, yeah, like we said, how it makes you feel like um, the joy you get out of it, the friendships you make, from your training and say the community that you're part of. Like if you focus on that rather than I want to weigh this or I want to fit this size, it's such it's such a sustainable way to do it because you want to continue. It's not like, oh, I didn't actually reach that goal, so I want to stop that training. So for me, I've had to like flip it a lot as well because running is tough. Like running is so exposed. You know, you look at someone next to you, it's like, oh, well, they run a 33-minute 10K and I run a 35, so therefore I'm not as good. You know, so it is easy yeah. to compare yourself and it's similar to like any any type of sport. It is easy to, but I think for me and like through the work we've done at Femi and like working on myself, stop that comparison game, compare with my own self, like how it's making me feel, do it in a more of a sustainable way. Like I said, uh, I said I sort of had that addiction to exercise and I think it's gone for a while, but COVID, I've been kicked in the butt by COVID. So I've basically had long COVID for the last 10 weeks um, and my tra- training's gone down to like, you know, maybe a third of what I was doing before. And I think it's been really good for me. Like it's ma- made me take a step back and be like, actually I'm fine without running 100K weeks or more. Like I can actually do this and I'm still the same Esther and I'm still really happy and like content with what I'm doing. And I think that's partly because of the work we do. And I'm, you know, I'm again really lucky that I have a job that's purposeful and I enjoy. But yeah, I think having that sustainable long-term relationship, looking at your training more mentally what it does for you like your mental health and how it makes you feel that's how you find a sustainable relationship with training if you're doing it to reach your end goal whether it's a time or a weight or a size that's when it can become like punishment and you almost do it to get to that and if you don't make it then what's the point in still doing it yeah so that's like a really important thing for me but we also push that message a lot at Femi and that's why we don't focus on weight or size at Femi at all well, that's like how it comes down to like it's an external goal versus an intrinsic goal. Like it's a it's an mm-hmm. outcome based goal that you're going for versus like an internal thing. And as you say, the outcome is going to be there. And then if you hit it, then what? And if you don't hit it, then you're a failure. Versus you know how you feel or like an internal thing is just ongoing. I think that's a really cool sort of way to look at it. And I was going to ask you legit, like you sort of just started touching on it. Like for you, um, you know, let's say like three months ago before COVID versus now, like, what do you, 
how is it for you now? Like you, you obviously can't train as much and stuff. Like how has that affected you? Like how do you think that's affecting um, everyone? Like do you, you, is that a big thing for you guys with Femi right now? Like COVID? Massive. Yeah, massive. So we, we did a podcast on it and it was one of our most listened to podcasts. And it was like mm. both Lids and I got in, you know, typical us, we both got it at the same time. So we literally got COVID like within a couple of days of each other. <laughs> we were like, oh, my God, we're so connected. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> but we got COVID like at the same time. But, yeah, honestly, so many of the girls that we coach are going through it. And going through it yourself, you do realise that it's pretty – it's a really intense and it is really dangerous virus and, like, you need to rest, like, you need to recover. And it was hard, like – I was on an emo- emotional roller coaster, especially for the first probably six weeks, because I think when you look at like an injury, and I think Lids experienced this too, it's easy to see like an end point. You're like, okay, well, if I do the rehab and I do the cross training, I'll get better. But COVID's like unknown, and there's all these aspects that we don't know about at the moment, like all these, you know, there's people getting some heart conditions going on. And like mm-hmm. for me, I was. You know, I would be sitting down and I would stand up and my heart rate would go up 40 beats, like just from sitting to standing and walking around the house, I was getting dizzy. Um, so yeah, I think it was really challenging and the unknown aspect of it was probably one of the hardest parts. But like I said, I'm really happy. Like I feel like it was good for me. And sometimes we do need to take a step back from training because it, it needs to be done in a healthy way. And, you know, it's common to be addicted to training. If you can't take a day off, maybe you need to have a look at if you're addicted to training. Um, so, yeah, COVID's been really good for me in some sense. It's been hard. But I think, um, yeah, if anyone does want more advice, you can message us on Femi. We've got a return to running or training guide that our doctor's done on our Femi team, Dr. Izzy Smith, and it's really, really uh, insightful and it just sort of talks about the risks associated if you go back to training too soon. Uh, and then it gives you a step-by-step guide on how to come back. So, yeah, if you're listening and you want help, message us at Femi on our Instagram. That's super cool. And that's a, that's honestly one of the smoothest plugs I've ever heard on this podcast, <laughs> by the way. The way you delivered that was just, like, ultra smooth. Like, I was just – I was listening to you reply, and I was like, right now I want to go to Femi and search <laughs> up the return. Like, I was just like, wow, you're amazing, you know. You're good at – you're clearly good at what you do. <laughs> You guys, um, you did like a, you actually, we were listening to it on the way into the office um, just to sort of get a, get sort of like a feel for like how you guys talk and like what, like what you're into and what you're about. Listening to the most recent podcast you guys did, because you guys have a podcast too, um, talking about community and sort of flowing off of, off of that COVID chat. Um, what was it like for you guys um, because of this whole COVID wave? Like, How's it been managing your guys' community? Because you guys are pretty big on the whole community front, eh? Yeah, like our community is all over the world. And I think um, because of COVID, we launched Femi in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic when I was in Melbourne at the time. And I think I'd been in lockdown for about eight months at the time. So um, (laughs) we were kind of... um, we built the company to be online anyway. So our community started as a digital platform, really. Um, and me personally and Esther too, like we've been working online for actually quite a few years leading into the launch of Femi already. And we've been involved in communities like all over the world, um, as well as real life communities, run communities. So I think when um, 
when we launched, we were kind of already planning and set up to run the community and keep everybody engaged and inspired through the digital platforms of like Instagram and yeah, mostly just social media. Um, Yeah. But I think we actually brought the real life community about probably a year or after since we actually launched initially. And the company is a community, you know, like um, that's what we built the basis of is building a community of females to build each other up. So when we launched real life communities, uh, the first one was in Melbourne and then we went to Sydney and Auckland. Um, That was kind of just like a cherry on top to bring the community together and, you know, person to person in real life and have that connection. And I think it's been awesome for us because it's not just our paying members that are part of the community now, or even just people who follow us on Instagram. It's girls who turn up to those weekly run clubs every week, which is great. But, you know, if we were to go into lockdown tomorrow again, we'd be okay. The community would still stay engaged because we already have a pretty strong uh, social platform and, all of our paying members or anyone that's actually signed up to Femi since our start is part of our private Facebook group. So these girls are super engaged with each other in that little community itself. Like it's awesome to see those girls mm-hmm. like posting every day about their training, about their menstrual cycle, about their health, about their mental health. And all the girls get behind each other so hard. And I think it's like such a beautiful environment for girls to be part of because there's not many environments, especially in the digital world, where girls can connect to each other where it's only females and it feels really safe and a space for girls to be really vulnerable. Um, So we're pretty like happy and excited for that environment to continue to grow through Femi because I think it's really what a lot of women need um, is to be able to connect in a place where they feel like they can speak and be heard and be seen. So yeah, community for us is everything. Like it's what why we do what we do is bringing people together and we're just excited where the both real life and digital communities are going to go um, going forward. How did you um start off when you first started Femi? Like how did you get a group of girls to like kickstart it? We, yeah, when we launched Femi in 2020, both Esther and I, um, and we had another, we've got another coach, Paige, who was one of our main coaches when we first launched Um you know, we already had a pretty good basis base to work off in terms of like our own little communities and the people we already spoke to. And personally, I'd been running a running coaching company for about four or five years before I launched Femi and I'd been coaching through Nike for the last like eight years or something. So um, I think when we launched Femi, we already had a pretty amazing um group of women to speak to so we were very lucky that we could almost transition those girls even the athletes that we'd already both Esther and I had already been working with like to be able to go to them and be like look we've been working with you or inspiring you or doing whatever with you over the last few years we've gone away and educated ourselves to service you even better we now know all this information about menstrual cycles and how much we need to bring that information to you like come over to Femi and join us and we'll educate you and continue to inspire you, but in an even better way, if that makes sense. So we're pretty lucky. I want to go back to, um, I was going to say, Lydia, because I thought you had stopped. I didn't realise you'd paused. So I was going to say, I'm pretty keen to go back to the whole, like how you transition from like what you're already doing to Femi. But before that, you guys touched on community and I was listening to your podcast on it and I wanted to ask, like, because it seems like you have a really engaged community, um, both in person with your meetups and in terms of like digitally, like with your Facebook groups. And firstly, like, I think like 
kudos to you guys like that's like a hell of a good mark for a brand when you have people that truly engage like you said they're not just instagram followers they're people that are super fans and engaging with each other and and when they're engaging with each other without you guys having to sort of start that which is like every brand's dream like you truly have a community versus an audience so like an audience would be where case in point you have your instagram followers you post they all like it community is what you guys seem to have like whether it's facebook Mm. or whether it's your running groups where it doesn't require a lead character to to spark conversation but they instead all spark conversations between themselves um and i just wanted to say like what's maybe like the sort of top things that you guys think have been behind that like what do you think of the key things you've done or, or the key reasons for having such an engaged community like i think one of them would probably be that you seem to have a real true clear purpose but you guys obviously know your business more than me (laughs) yeah i'll probably just touch on that piece and then liz you can jump in whatever but um whatever i miss but i think yeah like the messages that we're bringing forward with femi i think connects to so many women because all of these topics are you know things that we talk about such as like embracing your menstrual cycle it's something that's been taboo for so long and it shouldn't be, and women have been kind of silenced in a way about something that we all deal with, and it's like super normal, like 50% of the population go through it every single month, and we're not allowed to talk about it, but suddenly like there's this upsurgence of people talking about it, and I think the way we talk about it at Femi and all these, I guess, issues that a lot of girls go through, such as like body image issues or like being maybe over or what's the right word, being overly consumed with how we look and not talking about menstrual cycles, all all these different things combined as as Femi's purpose basically to bring more light to this and um, get these conversations going. And I think, like you said, the purpose behind Femi is the reason that the community is so strong because it connects to so many women. Like we get messages like Lydia said all the time where she's like, so one of the one of the listeners to the podcast says she's lost her period for so long and, and she didn't know so many girls go through it. And I think what what Femi has done is connected all these women who felt alone, whereas now they feel like they're part of a community and they're like, oh my gosh, like all these other women have going through similar struggles to me. And if we get behind each other, we can make it better. So I think that's honestly why the community's done so well, because it connects with so many women. It's so relatable and it's basically just off our own experiences in life. So, you know, if we go, if both of, both of us go through it, almost all the coaches have gone through similar stories with reds and losing their period. Like how many other women out there are going through it or have, or have been through it. So I think that's a real big driver as to why the community is so strong. Lydia. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it, Esther. I think it's so true. And I think like the community although it is not about us, it's not about me or Esther and it's not about our coaches or anyone, like everybody in the community is part of the movement and we want them to be really engaged that they're actually having an impact on where the community is going. You know, I think that's a big part of it as well is like us not standing out the front being like, look at us and listen to us and here we are and like we're going to make all the calls on this community. Like we really want everybody to be engaged in it and I think that's the best way for everybody to stay 
I don't know, as one. And um, the, the the best way for Femi to get to the best place possible is to listen to that community and hear what they need and what they think. I think that's really important for us. And yeah, I think because Esther and I uh, have always been, especially through the podcast, super vulnerable about our own stories. And I think that has allowed the girls to feel really comfortable to speak up about their stories. And through that vulnerability comes connection. And I think that's why we're all so connected to one another is because there's this really like sense of vulnerability between all of us. We could literally go there and speak to anyone about anything and feel okay about it. So yeah, I've got, I've got this message that came through this morning that I actually haven't even opened it yet, but I saw the start of it. And so I'm opening this on, on mic. <laughs> for the first time but I'm going to read it because it's really I just saw it all I saw was we are super grateful and I and I I'm sure she won't mind me reading this out uh she just wrote we are super grateful for you gifting us this community we would have uh, we wouldn't have all met and I certainly wouldn't have coped at all this year without the Femi girls so like messages like that just give us like this like real sense of like we're doing the right thing and that's like really pops us up to work day in and day out that's so yeah Yeah. I think like sort of even just the fact that what you said will probably answer this next question um and you kind of touched on it already but I sort of wanted to like it's so cool what you're doing with Femi and like it's so cool like even how you're talking about like this community that you have um how sort of you know a decade ago sort of Nike was the first one to really pop off with the running communities and it sort of like led from there to everyone else doing it um Lydia you were at Nike what what sort of made you and Esther want to start like a new community as opposed to doubling down on like Nike and like helping that you know become a bigger better community or helping that maybe include a focus on like the menstrual side of things or whatever like what made you two want to start Femi as opposed to keep working on like something else Mm, that's such a good question. Uh, so yeah, we started the Nike Run Club in Auckland about 10 years ago. Um, and it was such an awesome experience for us to be involved in a community like that where it brought all walks of life together simply to run and chat to each other and feel a sense of, I guess, belonging in that community, which was so amazing. Um, like the diversity of people that came together in that community was amazing. And I think through our experience with being connected that, to that community, we learned so much about like what made a successful community and like what community needed and especially run communities, like how you can actually engage people and inspire them to want to run when we all know running is, is hard. Um, but I guess for us, like, I'm still heavily involved in Nike and the Nike Run Club from a digital sense. So Nike Run Club have their own app and I run some of the guided runs on the app and I get to do some pretty amazing stuff with the brand through the Nike Run Club. Um, And like what happened with the Nike Run Club is they ran for probably about six years or so around the world. There were pop-up communities everywhere in all major cities And that was awesome because everybody who ran for Nike Run Club in different cities felt connected to other people on the other side of the world who were also running for Nike Run Club. So, you know, when I traveled, I'd go to like Nike Run Club in New York. If I was in Europe, I'd go to Nike Run Club in major cities. You could go to any of the Nike Run Clubs and feel connected to those people because you run for Nike in your own hometown. Um, And that's what I thought was really cool. But unfortunately, probably about four or five years ago now, the brand decided to pull like the real life run club. So they would be running 
weekly run sessions all over the world. But as you can imagine, it's a lot of money being pushed into these weekly run sessions. Um, And I think the brand, as they do, changes direction and they decided to cut the weekly run sessions. Um, And so from there, both Esther and I, over the last few years, we have kind of like had goes at creating other communities. Um, I started a community in Auckland, which ended up going um, actually kind of spread across the world, which was called One Step Is All It Takes. And it was all about um, running for your mental health. So bringing awareness to anxiety and depression and encouraging people who are suffering either or both to come along and be part of this community where we'd literally like run, walk, you know, one, two K. Sometimes we get up to five K. It was very much about like bringing people together to, for their mental health than like running for performance. Um, and that was awesome. And I think through that, I learned a lot about community as well. And then, yeah, it, like we're both kind of like gone our own like separate paths along the last few years and creating and being part of different communities. But for us to create something that has more purpose to it than like, let's just meet up and go for a run each week. Like I think we're able to provide our girls with so much more than just being a service of like getting your girls together to go and get fit. Um, and I think that's what why we love what we do. It's like we're creating friendships, we're creating connections, we're teaching them about menstrual health and hormonal health and mental health. And, you know, I think as we spoke about in our own podcast, like community is just so important for human beings full stop, like we need connection. Um, And so being able to have our own community and provide that to other people um, fulfills our purpose, you know, it fills our cup. And we know it's not about us, but we're very lucky to be doing something that we love to be able to, you know, when we see girls coming together, that sense of satisfaction we get is just amazing. So, yeah, super grateful. I think that's a pretty good answer. What do you think, Sam? (laughs) Pretty good, eh? Um, Speaking of, like, I I feel like if I was listening to this, I would be, like, thinking the whole time. I would be thinking in my head this one burning, annoying question. I'd be like, you know, like, what do they do? Like, they're a business. (laughs) Like, what do they they actually do? What are they selling me? Esther, what are you guys? So I I know, like, I've had a look on your product, uh, on on your website. But what is the actual service, like, the actual services that you guys offer, like, for people wanting to check you out or just, like, just people wanting to know in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've got like a few different pillars, but I think if that's the right word, you know, what it started as was a running coaching company for women. So we had three coaches, like Lid said, myself, Paige, and Lids, and we started as just uh, running coaches. So we train all our athletes to their menstrual cycles. So, uh, you know, we structure the training around the hormonal fluctuations throughout a menstrual cycle and what that means for performance and how she may feel throughout. But we acknowledge the fact that every woman is individual. There's multiple things at play with how you're actually going to be affected by a menstrual cycle. So no one's training is the same. Everyone's training is completely different and tailored to them, but it is around a menstrual cycle. Obviously some some of the women are on oral contraceptive or on a contraception. That means they don't have the hormonal fluctuations or there's some women who are starting to go through perimenopause. We take all of these things into account and we train them to their menstrual cycle. So that's kind of like the beginning of the business. We now have 10 coaches and I think like over 100 athletes and then we have a wait list at the moment of about 60 athletes. So we're looking for more coaches at the moment um, 
but yeah, it's grown really well. And we also offer strength training to your menstrual cycle as well. Uh, so that's like where it began, but we're expanding a lot at the moment. And I think uh, maybe Liz can touch on what we're trying to do in the education space. Yeah. So as mentioned, as S mentioned, like the coaching side for us was like definitely where we started, but a lot of the stuff that we've done through Femi coaching, we've learned so much about what actually needs to be happening out in the world beyond just female runners. Um, and we want to be able to speak to females of all sports, but to be able to get women to, and, you know, like we've talked about keeping young girls in sport and encouraging women to move and do sport by to be able to do that, we need to educate people better around female physiology. So you think about like an F45, the trainers that are in F45, I could almost guarantee a lot of those trainers, especially the males, wouldn't have any idea about the menstrual cycle or the hormonal fluctuations that go on throughout that menstrual cycle. So how can we actually serve the women who are doing these F45 sessions or the gym sessions or running sessions or whatever sport, maybe football, like how can we allow those females to train to their menstrual cycle, not only to perform better, but actually to enjoy their training and feel confident in their training as well. So we've come up with this online education course that we've been working on now for over a year. Um, and it's a about a 10-hour online digital course that people can do. All of the modules are pre-recorded and the entire course is built to educate trainers and coaches better how to work with female athletes. So the first, I would say 70% of the course is built around female physiology, how the female body actually works, how the menstrual cycle works, how hormones change throughout the cycle, how we can adapt our nutrition to those hormonal changes. Um, we talk a lot about relative energy deficiency syndrome, polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, and endometriosis. We try to speak to the majority of females who are, who are either having hormonal dysfunction, um, are having a normal menstrual cycle, potentially going through menopause. So this first 70% of the course is all built on that. And then the last like 30% of the course is built around female psychology. So it's more built around how coaches and trainers can actually empower women, how we can talk to women in a really confident way that builds their confidence in themselves, um, how we can talk about pressure and mindset and identity of female athletes. So the course is, um, it, there's been a lot of work involved in the course. We've got six experts, including Esther and myself, who bring the content to life. So as we've mentioned, we've got a doctor, Dr. Izzy Smith. Um, we've got a physiotherapist, Grace Coombs, and a dietitian, Sarah Woodison. Both our physio and our dietitian are based in Christchurch. Um, and then we've got a psychologist, Lily Burden. So between the six of us, we've kind of brought all this content to life. And it's just a way that we really truly believe if we can educate more people in the health and wellness space and the sports space to work with women better, more women are going to actually want to be involved in sport and movement. Um, and, you know, that's going to impact their overall confidence and health as well. So that's what we're working on at the moment. We're pretty deep into that. Um, but alongside the coaching and the online course, we're continually trying to build community and that's that is our number one is to keep building the momentum we've got in that community and growing that community and whether it is like creating our own digital spaces to bring that community together, that is a potential we've been looking at. And yeah, there's a lot going on, but um, it's exciting. We've had a lot in the works and lots, lots happening, but 
yeah, as mentioned, it also mentioned our scholarship, which we're just wrapping up now, which was awesome too. I um I was actually going to wrap it up, but I really quickly want to hear about the scholarship yeah, because yeah, I, that we're going to ask that <laughs> yeah. Sam. Yeah, I I, I, I was going to wrap it up, but I, I genuinely really want to hear about the scholarship because I saw it and I was like, that is super cool when you are in a position as a business to start giving back in the niche that you're in or the industry you're in or just what you're passionate about and obviously that's what you guys are passionate about do you want to sort of quickly talk about the scholarship and and what that was and how it came about and how it went how it's going yeah can you hear me like it's just like is it me is it my turn what do i do (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh i'll jump in here so we started the scholarship program it launched on international women's day this year so march the 8th is international women's day globally Um, And we were like, what can we do that isn't just like a one-off event or a one-off video or something that tells a cool story but doesn't have like anything that's sustainable Mm -hmm. behind it? So what can we do to actually give back um, and provide something to someone who can take what they learn and actually grow from it and hopefully better themselves as well? So we're pretty fortunate to have the backing of the brand Nike and we um, would love to claim that we did this just as volunteers, but <laughs> we didn't. Um, Nike batched the scholarship program right from the start. So we're very, very like grateful to That's have so cool. the brand behind us. And um, we brought the program to life over the last eight weeks. So we went out to our Femi fam and um, put out to them to apply to be part of the scholarship program. And we had over a hundred teenage girls apply to be part of the program across New Zealand and Australia. And um, even that in itself was pretty exciting to see, you know, we know we speak to that 20, 30, 40 year old woman really well, but to be able to reach that younger audience, as you can imagine, is pretty hard. Um, So we're like very happy to have, you know, that amount of girls wanting to be part of our scholarship program. Um, and yeah, we launched about eight weeks ago. Now we're just wrapped up the last week, last, uh, yeah, the last week, last week. Um, and it's just been an incredible journey. Like these young girls, we had 20 girls involved, 21 actually involved in the program. And we had nine mentors. So each mentor got about two to three girls each. Um, and every week we caught up with our young girls and had conversations with them around like body image, um, pressure, how you manage stress, um, their menstrual cycles, obviously, um, goal setting, mindfulness, like all of these conversations that we thought would be able to provide them tools to uh, feel better about themselves. But also the end goal is to encourage young girls to stay in sport. So if we can provide them with the tools to actually want to stay in sport, then our job is done. Um, So that was like kind of the goal of the scholarship. And then Esther, you want to jump in and talk about like the feedback because it's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, it was, like, yeah, amazing. Like, from the first conversation, because we did three group calls as well, so we did, like, the whole group together, and the middle call was with our experts, so they came on and answered lots of questions that the young girls had. Mm. Uh, but just seeing the change in the the girls' confidence from the first call to the third call was, like, incredible over the eight weeks. No one spoke on the first call apart from Lydia and myself talking away. (laughs) And then in the final call, we couldn't stop them. Like they were just all so confident and had so much self-belief and enough, yeah, enough confidence to speak up in a group setting over Zoom, which can be quite daunting. So I think, you know, that just showed in itself how much confidence was built throughout that eight weeks. But the feedback from them 
yeah, it was phenomenal. We put an Instagram post up with some quotes from some of them, but it was just talking about, you know, understanding my body has empowered me more. Being around this group of girls, uh, all like-minded, has really inspired me. They'd learnt how to take rest days and look after their bodies long-term. You know, they understand their menstrual cycle and how important it is now to keep. And just, you know, the main thing that popped up was just the confidence piece, like how much more confident they were in their bodies. And a lot of them, you know, were saying like, they're going to take this information and share it with their friends and their family, which is exactly what we want them to do because obviously we can only take 20 girls or 21, (laughs) but the more people they talk to about what they learned as well, the more that message will get out there. So I think, yeah, like the feedback was so awesome and we did a little survey after to make sure that we take on board all the feedback and we want to make the next ones that come through even better. So, yeah, the feedback was amazing and just seeing the girls grow throughout the eight weeks was I cried in that last meeting. I was crying. <laughs> We're all crying. That's so, cute. That's so cool. You guys are honestly, you guys are honestly so cool. Esther, we'll have to go for a run sometime when I'm in the mount and you're in the mount. Um, maybe at my pace, not yours. Though I wasn't a world champ runner as a kid, believe it or not. I was just playing rugby on the fields. Um, but honestly, thank you guys so much for this hour of magic. I got a lot out of it. It was really cool to hear about you guys and and hear what you're doing with Femi. And I really like sort of coming through like that really pivotal approach that you're taking to really like focusing and knuckling down on, on aspects, especially of women's health that in the industry of fitness and health, two separate things that often get put as the same thing um, often gets neglected. So yeah, thanks so much for your time. Honestly, it's such a good podcast. Hopefully people listening to this um, enjoy it. Hopefully the people that you send over listen to it, um, enjoy it and enjoy hearing your story because I certainly did. Um, where can people find you? Plug yourself. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Instagram at femi.co or we can, you can head to our own personal Instagrams. I'm at Lydia Odo, O-D-O, and Esther's at Esther Kewen, K-E-O-W-N. Um, or you can head to our website if you want to get in touch with us even more personally. Our website is femi.co. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, awesome. Thanks, team. Thanks for listening. That's the podcast. Catch you next week. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of LNA with me, the host, Finn Barnett, and uh, it, whether it was me or just uh, another guest that was on there as well, go check them out if there was a guest on here. Um, if you want some more LNA, go to LNA.com. That's the hub for everything that you need. Um, all the Instagram, the social media, the YouTube, the extra stuff, the recommendations, the newsletters, the everything, all the value adds, it's all at alanav.com. So that's the best bang for buck. If you're an Instagram kind of guy or gal or whatever, uh, checks out at Alanav podcast. Uh, that's our handle for Instagram, TikTok, um, and I think just about everything else as well. So more Alanav, go check us out at alanav.com. See you on the next episode of Alanav. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Cheers.